Taking self-defense has been one of the greatest life-changing contributions I've ever participated in. Diligence and training has empowered me with healing, strength, tools, confidence that has already reflected and been effective in my life. Two months after I began training, I actually ended up in a circumstance where I needed to use that knowledge. And because I had the confidence of the training, I was able to detour potentially terrible situation. I keep coming back for the experience and the growth and the positive change because for the first time in my life, I chose to have a choice to no longer be anyone's victim. And I was able to do that because of what Tasha has created. Welcome to the Feel Good Running Podcast, where our goal is to keep you motivated, inspired, and energized. As a runner, or perhaps you are looking for the right motivation to become one, you've definitely found the right place. We share inspirational stories from real runners, motivating running-related information, and much more to help you feel good about your running. And now your host and a longtime Feel Good Runner himself, Jim Lynch. Well, hello, runners, and welcome to episode number nine. My name is Jim Lynch, and this is my podcast, Feel Good Running. I can't believe it's episode nine already. We're almost to double digits, and it's only been since the beginning of December that I started the podcast. It's growing, and you are responsible for that growth, so thank you. Well, runners, I am recording this episode in Denver, Colorado. I left Maui. It was 80 degrees. I landed into Denver, and it was 14 degrees above zero. I can honestly say it has been a complete shock to my system. And yes, I am cold. I don't know how anybody can live in this, but you know what? I used to for several years, so somehow I survived. But I'm very glad to be in Denver and it's just a great city and it's so vibrant and there's so much going on uh, that it, it's really a pleasure to be here. Well, as everybody knows, Colorado is a mecca if you're an outdoors type person. There there is plenty to do here no matter what season you're in Colorado. If you're a runner, you can run street run, trail run, whatever type of running you'd like to do. If you like to hike, you can hike 14ers or you can just do regular hikes. Of course, skiing is extremely popular here in Colorado. Mountain climbing, rock climbing, you name it. If you're an outdoors person, you're in heaven when you're in Colorado. The Olympic marathon athletes train in Boulder, Colorado, and it's great because of the altitude and the terrain. It makes it the perfect place to train for Olympic athletes. So Colorado, thumbs up, baby. Thumbs up. Well, runners, we have a really good episode for you. My guest on this episode is Tasha Ina Church, and she is a professional self-defense instructor. Tasha has 17 years of self-defense experience, and she is contracted by organizations and businesses to teach self-defense and also taught to young girls within the Ladies First program, which she co-founded in Washington State. Tasha's main style is Aikido. Although for self-defense classes, she uses a combination of several styles, utilizing the best moves for everyday living. Well, I know for a fact, because I listen to the news and I'm actually here in Denver, Colorado, that many of you runners have cabin fever and are anticipating the warmer temperatures that are coming up this spring and summer. So safety is extremely important and especially female running safety. In our conversation today, Tasha is going to give you some excellent suggestions and 
and self-defense techniques that will help you in the event you would ever encounter an uncomfortable situation while you're out running. So do yourself a solid and listen to our conversation today. All right, a little bit of housekeeping. First of all, if you're going to be in Los Angeles, that's right, the Los Angeles Marathon is coming up on the 24th of March, but the 22nd and the 23rd is the expo, and I am going to be out there. We have the Maui Marathon booth at the expo, and I will be there, and I hope you will stop by if you're running the LA Marathon and you're going to be at the expo. Stop by and say hi. I would love to meet you. I will have my equipment out there, so if you have a great story or if you know some somebody in the Los Angeles area that really has a pretty inspiring story for the everyday runner. Have them come my way because I'd really like to meet them and maybe we can even get an interview done while I'm there. All right. So that's that. And let's see what else. The show's growing. I say that every episode, but I am absolutely amazed and I thank each and every one of you for listening. I welcome all new listeners to the show. Thank you very much for listening and giving me a shot with Feel Good Running. And you can help me out by sharing this on your social media and subscribing and possibly leaving a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. That would help me out a lot. So thanks a lot. All right. What do I want to talk about today? Well, I want to talk about my trip to Denver. It's been really, really good. First of all, I went to my mecca of running stores, which is Runner's Roost, and I was able to pick up a few items. Like I mentioned in the last episode, we do not have a running store on Maui, nor do we have a sports store. So when I get to go to my mecca running store, Runner's Roost here in Denver, I am a kid in a candy store. And I really appreciate it. And staff's always good. And Runner's Roost is a locally owned store. They have five locations in the Denver area. And I highly recommend each and every one of you runners out there to try to support your locally owned running store. We want them to stay in business. Sure, we can get maybe some discounts online when we order through Amazon, but please go into your local running store. They're professionals. They can guide you as far as what type of shoes to get. You can try them on. They usually have treadmills in there that you can run on and they can check your gait and and give you some suggestions. Plus, they have great apparel. What I noticed at Runner's Roost is they are segueing and adding additional apparel. They're now selling Patagonia which I think is good because I wear a lot of Patagonia product. And uh, you have to do that. You can't rely on the Asics and the Brooks and all that type of apparel. People want other things. And the more things that you can provide and products in your store, the more that the uh, runners will appreciate it. So anyways, that's that's that. So it's such a pleasure being here in Denver. I had a chance to connect up with some of my running friends. We went out and met and on Friday night and talked and uh, talked about running. Some of my friends are doing Boston and some other races. A couple of them are doing Big Sur. The real highlight was I had a chance to run with my former running group, which is Runner's Edge of the Rockies. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Denver or if you're familiar with Denver. On the west side of Denver is Golden, Colorado. I am sure you heard of Golden because Coors Brewery is up there. But uh, Denver, over the last 
12 years or so has built a really good light rail system. So we started our run. It was a point to point from Jefferson County building up in Golden. And there was some options. You could run six to eight miles and there is a light rail station in both of those points. And most of the other runners, they went 12 miles, which took them right down to Mile High Stadium, which is where the Broncos play. And the runners would either drive to the point where they were running to and take the light rail back to Golden or they would drive to Golden and then when they get to whatever point they were going to run to, they would hop on the light rail and then have a nice, warm, comfortable ride back to Golden to get into their car. So I chose to drive to Golden. Now, it was really a pleasure. David Manty, he's the coach of Runner's Edge of the Rockies, the founder, and it's been around for quite a long time. I saw a lot of my running friends that are still with the group, and I got a chance to run with a few of them. I got to run with Lynn. She's a group leader and Cynthia. Cynthia, I haven't seen in such a long time and she is getting ready to run the Boston Marathon and celebrate her 50th birthday. I used to do speed work training with Cynthia. So when she saw me, she was surprised and gave me a big hug and made me feel very good and welcome. My plan was to run eight miles. So when I finished, I went to the light rail and rode back got into my car and went down to Sunrise Sunset, which is a breakfast place and met all of our other runners when they got done with their run. And we had a wonderful breakfast, a lot of good conversation, and it was just a pleasure to catch up with them. Again, I cannot tell you, and I've said it in previous episodes, how important and how wonderful running groups are. My strongest friendships are with runners, and I would never have met any of them if it wouldn't have been for running. So for that, I'm grateful for. And then I want to do a shout out to Ted. Ted is my very, very good friend. I stay in touch with Ted all the time. And if you wanted an ambassador that brings people together, he has been so involved in the running community, the triathlon community here in Denver. Everybody knows Ted and he's just a wonderful friend to me. And I'm absolutely positive in your neck of the woods that it would be a carbon copy and you would have a Ted out there. You would have a running group out there and you have your group of friends that mean more to you than anything. All right. I only have a few more days in Denver. And by the time you hear this podcast episode, I will be back in nice, sunny, warm Maui, Hawaii. Ah, feels good, doesn't it? Just to say that. Think about the ocean and the palm trees and the nice warm breeze. Man, I think everybody should experience it once in their life. Take a vacation. Come out and run our marathon, the Maui Marathon on October 13th this year. It's a really nice race. Check out MauiMarathon.com. I'll give you all kinds of information. All right, let's move on. So when I was in Colorado, I was at Runner's Roost, like I mentioned before. There is a uh, free magazine. It's called Colorado Runner, and I picked it up. And inside of it, there was this one little page that I thought was pretty awesome. And I wanted to read you a few things from it that I think you'll really enjoy. It's called, You Might Be a Runner If. 
And when I read some of these little snippets in here, I felt, oh man, this, this, yeah, I'm a runner, definitely. And so I wanted to read you some of them. So you might be a runner if you wake up before 5 a.m. so you can get that eight miler in before work. You might be a runner if a 5K is only 3.1 miles. You may be a runner if you think it's perfectly acceptable to wear a GPS or stopwatch to a formal function. You might be a runner if the first thing that you pack for a trip is your running clothes and shoes. You might be a runner if you move to a new neighborhood and in a couple months, you know it better than your neighbors. You might be a runner when you can run five miles but struggle to walk up and down the stairs. You might be a runner when you get excited when you hear that there's a new Gatorade flavor. You might be a runner when every road you drive on, you think, what a great hill workout this would be. You might be a runner when you know which house is exactly one mile from your house in every direction. You might be a runner when you ask for a late checkout not to sleep in, but rather to use a shower after a race. You might be a runner when you consider the phrase, it's all downhill from here, a good thing. You might be a runner when you plan your vacation around a race. You might be a runner when you are compelled to let everyone on Facebook know about a new loop you discovered. You might be a runner when you have more running shoes than regular shoes. You might be a runner when you can watch a whole marathon and not be bored. You might be a runner when all your Saturday mornings for the next four months are filled. And finally, you might be a runner when you know that awkward feeling of not recognizing someone when they're actually in their street clothes. All right, if you have been a runner for a while, you probably recognized every single one of those that I just mentioned. And if you're brand new at running, you're going to get familiar with them very quickly. I found this in the spring edition of the Colorado Runner magazine, and I put a link online. Though the spring edition is not up there yet, there is plenty of good articles, and it's a very good website. So thank you, Colorado Runner magazine, for putting this out. And now it's time for some inspirational and motivational news. Searching anywhere and everywhere, here is this episode's Feel Good Running News. 22-year-old Ashley Ramirez of Slidell, Louisiana said, If you had told me a year and a half ago that I would be a runner, I would have straight up laughed in your face. Back then, Ashley weighed 230 pounds. She was 150 pounds when she started college, and due to an ankle injury, she was set to have ankle surgery, and until then, she needed to wear a walking boot. Unable to do any type of physical activity with the surgery months away, she started eating, and being a freshman, she experienced the freshman 15 and then some. And if you don't know what the freshman 15 is, it's been proven that college freshmen gain an average of about 15 pounds their first year of college. Well, after the first surgery, Ashley underwent two more surgeries and was in and out of physical therapy, making it extremely impossible to dedicate herself to a fitness regimen, and ultimately she reached 230 pounds. Being incredibly unhappy with the way she looked and doctors telling her the pain from her surgeries would 
subside a bit if she lost some weight. Well, she decided to make a change in herself and she started running on a treadmill up to 15 minutes a day because she was basically embarrassed to walk outside. When she worked up to 30 minutes of walking, she added running intervals into her workouts. And many listeners have heard of the Galloway Run Walk Method. Well, this is very effective, and I know many marathon runners that use this method with successful results, and Ashley took ownership of the Galloway Method. Now, being a Disney junkie, Maybe that's the wrong word. How about a Disney fanatic? Ashley and her mom signed up for the Disney Princess 5K in February of 2018. She admits that they really didn't train for that race, but the experience was very overwhelming. Just a year prior, she never thought something like this would ever be possible. She went on to run several 5 and 10K races in Disney and New Orleans and recently completed her first half marathon. She is now down to 130 pounds. That's 100 pounds lighter than just a year and a half ago. Ashley is having left hip surgery this month, and in July, she will start to train for the Dopey Challenge, which is a 5K, 10K, half marathon, and marathon at the Disney Marathon in January of 2020. Of course, a focused diet in combination with running is the true success to her weight loss. She met with a nutritionist and went on a low carb diet and learn how to correct her eating habits. She said, there will always be good days and bad days and it's how you push through yourself through the bad days that will make you a better runner and a better person. Well, Ashley, we are all proud of you and confident that your Disney Marathon dream will come true in 2020. Melissa Osana is known as Smiley in her community of Bar Harbor, Maine, and she will turn 50 on April 30th. Melissa has lived years with debilitating symptoms of multiple sclerosis. Her doctors said exercise could help her, and so she started running. In 2012, she was running errands in town the day before the 2011 Mountain Desert Island Marathon and noticed how happy the runners appeared to be. Well, it must have had an impact on her because she ran that same marathon the following year and was hooked and she did it in four hours and 42 minutes. Melissa was diagnosed at the age of 27 and she suffered weakness in her legs and arms, dizziness, temporary blindness and more symptoms. Fatigue set in and she was forced to go on disability. She suffered from sleep apnea and once her neurologist discovered it, treated her and Melissa started to enjoy more and more energy and eventually running came into the picture. After her debut marathon in 2012, she went back to the Mountain Desert Island Marathon in 2013 and cut 27 minutes off her time. She now has run north of 20 marathons, including Boston, and even 100-mile ultra races. But her next goal is the most aggressive challenge of her life. In April, she will celebrate her 50th birthday and she is preparing to do four, yes, four, 100-mile races this summer in hope of completing a Grand Slam, which she will receive an award for running for the oldest 100-mile trail races in a 10-week period. The 100-mile trail races she will tackle are the Old Dominion 100-mile run in Virginia, in Vermont, the Vermont 100-mile endurance run, the famous and difficult Leadville Trail 100 in Colorado, and she'll finish at the Wasatch Front 100-mile endurance run in Utah. If she completes this challenge, she will be only one of 363 people to do 
so in one out of 55 women. That's amazing. And to think back when she could hardly get out of bed. Melissa has come such a long way with amazing drive and determination. I mean, seriously. Think about Melissa the next time you're blowing off your next four-mile run. Amazing woman she is. So, Melissa, we wish you the best and we'll be cheering you on this summer. And finally, the 2019 Boston Marathon will be held on Monday, April 15th. I'm sure all runners are hoping for much better weather this year than last year, and it was brutal. But as we know, it was a race for the centuries with our own Des Linden winning the women's top prize in spectacular fashion. Now, if you are a NASCAR fan, which I can say I don't really watch it that much, but star driver Jimmy Johnson will be running Boston this year. He is a super athlete and... And this month, he is peaking his training by running 90 to 100 miles per week and doing so as he's going from race to race and city to city each and every week. Jimmy treats his body like his crew treats his race cars by figuring out what lubricants his body needs and what fuels it will need to get him through. Now, he'll be running Boston just two days after the Richmond 400 and is hoping to run it in just three hours. Three hours? Jeez, I wish I could run a half marathon in three hours. I'm just kidding. I can. Um, But, you know, I'm getting closer to that three-hour mark. Anyways, asked about Heartbreak Hill, he said, I'm trying to ignore it until I have to meet her in person. Well, I reached out to his peeps for a possible interview, but me being Small Potatoes podcast have not received a response. Guess my listeners are going to need to share this podcast on social media so it'll grow and I can attract the likes of somebody like Mr. Jimmy Johnson. Anyways, that's absolutely amazing what Jimmy is trying to accomplish here. And you know, we are definitely going to add you to those that we are tracking this year at the Boston Marathon. So good luck, Jimmy. And now it's time to welcome this episode's very special running guest. Well, runners, over the past few episodes, I've been talking about female running safety. It disgusts me that there are predators out there that prey on female runners with the intent to cause harm. Each year, mostly in the spring, summer, and fall, we read about attacks on women that are out running. And some, such as Molly Tibbetts from Iowa, end up being killed as they were just going out for a nice daily run. So my guest this episode is professional self-defense instructor Tasha Ina Church. Now, with spring and summer right around the corner, most of us will be running outdoors, and defense is the best offense. Tasha has actually had some of her own personal uncomfortable moments, which she'll share during our conversation. But she will share with you self-defense techniques and tips that will prepare you in the event you encounter an uncomfortable situation. If this helps prevent one attack and save just one life, well then it's all worth it. This may be actually one of the most important conversations that you'll hear this year. So please enjoy my conversation with professional self-defense instructor Tasha Ina Church. Hello, Tasha. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jim. How are you? Good. Well, thank you for coming in and doing this interview. I know that uh, this all started a while back. Uh, it was when I did episode number six. I had um, I, I talked about a run that I do in the south side of Maui, which is over by Wailea McKenna. And I love this run so much. 
and I go there about four, four thirty in the morning mm -hmm. and I run south and it's dark and I have a headlamp on and I have lights on and it's, it's just an awesome run. And I'm out there by myself and, um, I feel at, at peace and feel just, you know, one with everything. It's just amazing. And the problem is, as I started thinking about it, as I run going, I can run this with no problem whatsoever, but a female can't go out there and do that at four, four, 15 in the morning by herself and run down towards McKenna beach, no traffic, nobody out there. There's just nothing there. And it's, uh, and I started thinking about it and then I talked about it in the episode and it created a little bit of a, um, interest out here with one of our female runners, Ashley McKinney. And she, uh, said it'd be nice if there was a self-defense class on the Island, uh, if we could put one together. Well, um, it went out on Facebook and you appeared, you just kind of appeared. We found you and you are a professional self-defense instructor. And I'm just going to read your bio here. It says instructor and founder of Ellie Live Na Action and Tasha Ina Church was introduced to self-defensing, taking warrior spirit with Jeff Alexander. You can tell me who Jeff Alexander is a little bit later. Uh, you, both your parents were involved in martial arts and were a huge influence of you in being involved in these arts. And you studied, <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce half of this, but um, Aikido. Aikido. Ninjutsu. Ninjutsu. Shotokan. Shotokan. I'm getting there. And jujitsu. Jiu there we go. Yeah. Uh, Self-defense in dojo, along with secondary styles, which you'll have to tell me that for seven years, what those are. But you're very, very skilled at what you do. So um, to start it off, how, how I know your parents got you involved, but what was your interest? Was there something that went on in your life or was your parents just influential? Well, I started martial arts 17 years ago and I studied seven styles of Japanese martial arts and I did some Tai Chi and boxing and we had talked about Jeff Alexander. Uh, Jeff Alexander is the trainer for Rocky Balboa. So that was kind of an exciting opportunity. The movie, the Rocky's the movie. movies. Yeah. So he's come, he comes with a little bit of skill. Just a tad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very exciting for me to have the opportunity to do that um, way back when with my mom. It was an empowering um, an empowering program to go through that definitely set the stage for everything else to come. I got into martial arts, though, because I actually had a stalker who uh, met me when I was 15 and he was 32 years old which looking back, it's just, um, it was a very scary experience for me. I found out that he was stalking me when I was 17. So he could have been stalking me for up to two years. And did you know this person? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was one of my brother's friends and I, uh, he would call me his little sister mm. and, and, um, it was, uh, very scary situation when he finally told me that he was following me and I ended up standing up to him. It, 
And I set really good boundaries. I said verbally what I needed from him. Uh, he yelled in whole slew of cuss words at me. And then, uh, he let me, um, you know, he set these, uh, I set these boundaries and he followed them. So I got out of that situation, but it was an absolutely terrifying situation to be in. Uh, and from that I realized I, I needed more <laughs> slot boxing with my mom and dad, despite the fact that they're martial artists, I, I needed something more than that. I needed training. And your parents were martial artists, um, all their lives. Or uh, a good my, my, my mom and my dad taught and my mom had lightning fast hands. We would, uh, do slap boxing for fun and she was amazing. And each, each of them, uh, very amazing people. Uh, so I grew up with that. I, I never actually trained with them. Um, so for me, understanding that that's something that I needed in my life at the time, uh, was really important. So I went to a dojo, I signed up and, and I got involved to the extent of, of teaching there. And I really enjoyed teaching. I, I loved teaching people and helping them. I found that it was, it was life changing to be able to see their faces at the end of class and realize that I've changed their life. And they walked it out where they walked out with more confidence than they did when they walked in. Yeah. They felt very secure. But, um, what I did also learn there was I was at a dojo with predominantly all men and I, didn't feel safe in that environment. And I realized that I really wanted that. I wanted to feel safe in the environment that I was learning in. And I wanted to provide a safe space for women when they were learning how to defend themselves because they're already coming into it with situations and scenarios that they have had to face. Right. So to add on to that, um, so, yeah. For our listeners, um, can you explain what a dojo is? Yeah. So a dojo is a training area. It's a Japanese um, studio for martial arts. So for me, I studied Aikido, Ninjutsu, Shotokan, Jujitsu, Bojitsu, Kabuto, and Iaido. And my main styles were Aikido and Ninjutsu and then um, Shotokan and and jujitsu. Um, and I really enjoyed all of those different styles. I think that there was something great to learn about each one. Um, afterwards I, I studied Tai Chi and I did boxing. And I think that from each, each bit that I learned, I, I took something from it. I learned over, uh, <laughs> Oh, over 850 self-defense moves. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's, a, that's a lot. <laughs> um, and I, I really enjoyed it. I, when I was back in Washington, um, you know, on top of doing the martial arts and working and, and being a college student, all that kind of stuff, I loved salsa dancing. Mm -hmm. It was one of my favorite things to do. I loved going out dancing having a night on the town. And that's also another scenario where uh, you think twice as to whether or not you should go alone. But I really liked having the freedom of 
doing all of these different things, going to different venues and seeing all of my friends and um, and really spending my time the way that I wanted to. But I, I do remember vividly this one evening and I was walking to my car and I happened to park really far away from the studio or the um, dance hall. Mm-hmm. And it was just late and I was cold and I'm walking around and I, I just have these... Um, this creepy feeling of, gosh, you know, uh, what what would I do in this situation? And I thought about all of the moves that I had been teaching people. And I thought, gosh, over 50% of these moves, they wouldn't be effective wearing three inch heels in a dress. Right. You know, and uh, <laughs> and so I really wanted to find a solution for that. I I had my self-defense partner, Lee Velasan, attack me while wearing three inch heels and a dress. And I came up with the different moves that I thought would be most effective. And uh, since then, it's been, you know, it's been this roller coaster. I feel like everything that I've done has led up to here and now and the work that I'm doing. And I just really love it. Um, And I love being challenged by the people who come into my workshops and ask, they have so many different scenarios. What if you're holding on to a baby? Uh, what do you do? What, what do you do? You know, if you're a runner, what, what are you doing? Right. Um, you know, and so I really love researching that and exploring that and trying to come up with different scenarios that I think would be helpful. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, basically the gist of what I do. I try and cater to all of my students whenever they come to my classes or workshops. I have questionnaires that I have them fill out beforehand and, you know, it lets me know if they've been attacked before so I can be mindful of that while they're in class. Um, Some people don't like to be touched Mm -hmm. on the throat or different stuff like that. And so, being able to navigate that, but then also being able to address those situations. Um, What started me into doing an online self-defense course was a a woman come in, came into my class and um, she had had an experience happen to her 20 years ago that she didn't get out of. And, um, and it was at knife point and she was a college student. And that was just really, um, it was very sad for me to hear, but I really wanted her to to walk away with certain skills. So we went through that scenario and what she could do if that ever happened to her again. And she looked, she, she looked so empowered and she was constantly saying that, like, this is amazing. This is awesome. You know? Um, and she was telling me you should have an online course. And so, (laughs) so I thought about that and it, it started, you know, percolating in my mind. I had to marinate on it a bit. Um, but I put together this online course and it's eight classes and there's a different type of attack per class. And I really wanted it to be something that was accessible to people. I wanted people to be able to have these different tools that I can share in a workshop, but I I wanted to share it with 
as many people as possible. And I can, can't do that just in person all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, um, in these classes, you know, a lot of people think, well, how can you, how can you do a self-defense class online? Like, what do you do there? And, uh, it's, the age of technology. <laughs> There's so many things that you can do now. Um, we always I, go to YouTube for anything that we need. It's just crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for everything. So for me, I had to really think about what, um, what, how I could actually teach it in a way that people would understand. I got wonderful input and support in how I should actually go about doing that. Um, and so I, I put it together and basically the structure of it is I have somebody attacking me uh, and then I break down the move so that everybody understands what I'm doing. And then I bring someone in uh, and the person who's on this video, um, she's never had a self-defense class before. Wow. So it was it was a really interesting experience because some of it was like, OK, wait, uh, wait do this, do this. Um, but I was thinking, you know, this is what it's like. This mm -hmm. is what it's going to be like for that person who's right. on the other side of, uh, this camera, they're looking in and trying to learn this. And so, um, it was a really wonderful experience for me, uh, to actually do that. And then, uh, at the end I have an at home section. So, what do you do at home when you're practicing alone? Uh, and you think about, Self-defense alone, normally you have an attacker. Well, how do you do different um, different stretches or uh, different activities? So I broke all of those down and put them into a self-defense course, and that's available online. That's awesome. I, you know, it, it's all that year, all those years of experience that you have and to be able to put it into an online course, that's, that's good. Good stuff. Thanks. And hopefully, you know, people are are purchasing it uh, and learning from it and getting getting some testimonials from it? Oh, yeah. I have. Um, so, so far it's been um, like 4.9 out of five stars on the platform, the class platform, which is interesting because the average for the self-defense classes and martial arts classes that are on that platform are like 4.2. Mm -hmm. So, Having it at 4.9 out of 5, I was really excited about it. So one was Tasha's class is a godsend for people like me who've never taken the initiative to sign up for an in-person self-defense class. I was able to watch the videos at home and take my time seeing how she broke down every move. I was even able to practice the move at home alone. Uh, next up, I am going to practice with a friend. And so there's that one. Uh, there's being able to learn self-defense at home was a huge plus for me. Now that I have a basic understanding, I want to attend an in-person class so I can become more f uh, more comfortable using all these great self-defense moves. You do uh, you do classes out here on Maui. I do um, group and uh, you do individual private training also. Yes, absolutely. So. Um, you know, like my, like my experience, uh, a lot of people don't want to actually share, um, what's happened to them. And so being in a large group and doing a self-defense class can feel very exposing. 
so I do private lessons with people um, and work with them. Maybe they're having domestic violence issues. Maybe they are um, dealing with other other scenarios or they have dealt with something in the past and they really want to um, learn what they could have done. Uh, and so I, I do private lessons. I have my workshops. I have a eight-week series coming up at Powerhouse Gym in Kihei. I'm, and it all started with the and podcast. It, all, it did. It all started with a podcast and a comment that I responded to on social media. Right. Thank amazing. you, Facebook. <laughs> yeah, it just, it's amazing. And that's why we're, we're actually together here because, um, you know, we found you. Uh, through all that. And you're doing that class at Powerhouse Gym. And then we're going to be doing the um, the women's running safety class uh, coming up on March 30th too, yes. which is really, really awesome. I'm super excited about it because yeah. um, I want to share some safety tips here, but there's definitely more that I'll be able to share there along right. with different self-defense moves that you could possibly do if somebody actually attacks you, like if they grab your hair or um, grab you from behind, bear right. hug, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's, I think it's extremely important. And, and recently the, the exposure of past attacks and past harassment is now coming up to surface and there's a lot of awareness out there. And I think it's really good. And the, the majority of the people out there are very positive about it, but the real I, I don't want to use the word, but let's say not so, um, oh, what's the word I'm trying to use here? <laughs> Stupid men oh, okay. that um, still think they can say whatever they want and do whatever they want and think that they're entitled. And it's, you know, I think what's going on in the last two years or year and a half has been really good to expose the them. And I think the good men... Um, two are, are, you know, coming to surface too in defense and, and, you know, I just uh, kind of thinking of that. Yeah. Well, the Me Too movement has been very pivotal and I've definitely seen a huge shift when it comes to um, women's empowerment and just feeling more empowered. Um, I've also seen what men have been doing that I'm, I'm really excited to see, which is you know, helping educate other men on how to treat women. Uh, we think about right. when it comes to running, how sucky it is that we have to alter all of these different things and take all of these different precautions when um, we, you know, ideally it would be great for uh, someone to continually go out there and, and work with men sort of <laughs> reprogramming. Right. Uh, I did this blog post called move over mad men. Here comes me too. And it, I was thinking about the mad men culture and you, you think about, um, there's a lot of womanizing. There's just all of this commentary that, um, in people's minds, a lot of people's minds, it, they wouldn't think twice about it. Oh, right. this is normal. And I think that a lot of women today, they've had to deal with uh, it so much that in their minds, it's normal to them too. And that's not a good place to be. Um, so I, I'm really excited about just this process, this 
chain of events that has led to women having a voice and um, being able to speak up about what's happened to them so that they can heal, so that um, all of us can move into a place of empowerment um, and equity. I agree with you a thousand percent on that. And it's so refreshing to see. We turn on the news and it's actually the last couple of years has been very exhausting turning on the news because, oh, you, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you're not, it never leads off with, uh, you know, something decent. It's always something that is very aggravating. I think yeah. every single, every single time you turn it on, it's something aggravating, intense. We are, we're not getting a break. Well, Jim, that's why I don't have a television. <laughs> You don't mind? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually don't turn on my TV. It's more this computer that oh, I have on man, my desk. Oh man, yes, YouTube <laughs> and all the news that comes out. It just sort of pops up on your screen. It does. Um, and you just wish it would go away. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Just, just like. Um, being defensive out when you're running, uh, you need to be defensive when you're watching your news too. Monitor and that. Exactly. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about running. You're, mm -hmm. you're yes. here, you're, you're getting kind of connected into the running world and our podcast is for runners out there. You know, a little bit earlier when I mentioned that I go out for my Saturday morning run and I feel real empowered and, and just feel at peace because I'm out there by myself at four o'clock. What, what I think I, I, I may have misspoke in a way saying that a woman cannot do that. A woman can do that if she wants to, but the difference is I don't think about anything when I go out there at all. I don't worry about anything where uh, a female, if they go out and do that, will always be on the defense alert alert yes you know making sure that what's around them and you know just can't really fully relax and enjoy the run like yeah. i i can when it's dark and there's nobody around you're right you know and so you, you were we were looking at some statistics earlier about women and running and and some of the statistics that uh, we both found a little bit shocking Yes. Well, the numbers are staggering. Just looking at it, 43% of female runners deal with some form of harassment on their run. Uh, if you think about that on a day-to-day -day basis, that could be maddening. And that number, 58% um, of women under 30 uh, deal with that. So a larger majority of women who are younger are dealing with this constant um, harassment. Uh, 18% are propositioned while running. Uh, gross. Yes, very gross. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it is It is something that I wish people would look at and um, take note of because these numbers, I, I haven't seen them before. It, it is really, um, you know, it, it, is, it is really frustrating to see. Just looking at general uh, statistical data for sexual assaults uh, every 98 seconds. So count 98 seconds, um, an American is sexually assaulted. Uh, so you have that. Then younger people between that's the ages. That's just in the U.S. And that's just in the yeah, U.S., yeah. just in the U.S. Yeah. Um, places like South Africa, the number's way higher. Right. Um, but still, it's 
shouldn't be as high it should any, not be. anywhere. Right. Um, 54% of um, that statistical data um, is between the ages of 18 and 34. So um, you had talked to me earlier about runners and the age range where they start to do marathons and train. What was right. that? Statistically, the majority of runners are, are more towards their late 20s to probably about mid 40s to mm-hmm. 50. We were talking earlier because there there's no no way, no place and you can be safe out there. New York City, Central Park, there's attacks going on there. There's the woman up in Iowa, the uh, University of Iowa student, Molly yeah. Tibbetts, that went out for a run by herself. Awful. And, and she was 20, so she doesn't really fit completely into the statistic of, you know, the thrust of all the runners out there, Mm -hmm. um, you know, late twenties to 45 or whatever, but you know, that didn't end well. And it brought a lot of a national attention on, on, on Hirsch never showed up. And there was a woman in DC last year that was stabbed right out in the open um, as she was running. I believe that woman was in the, in the statistics of the general runner population out there. Yeah. It's, it's really, awful to just think, uh, (laughs) I want to go out on a run. Oh, what kind of safety precautions do I need? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What should I be preparing for? What are the different things that I need to have in my enchilant in order to survive? Um, you know, I, but I think that that's something that's very real for, for a lot of women. Right. On the mainland there, they're getting ready. They're in cabin fever right now and they're getting ready to be oh, released from cabin fever. All that and, snow. <laughs> and into the spring and summer. And those are, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the races are coming up in the spring and, um, and not, not much in the summer, but a lot of, a lot of runners are training for a fall race, but they're going to be outside. A lot of female runners and male runners are going to be solo out there when they run. Um, so there's going to be more out there and more possibilities for something to happen in those statistics, which sucks. So what would you suggest to, to some women as they're, they're now getting prepared to get into their outdoor training for, for these months and how they can be more aware of what's going on out there? Well, um, a couple of things that automatically come to mind is when you're running, make a game plan for your route and, uh, I would vary up my route if I were them, uh, just so that they have multiple options. They're aware of their surroundings. Um, they understand what, what they're doing. And then also as they're coming along, uh, looking around and saying, okay, what would be my exit plan if I'm in this location? Mm-hmm. What do I do? Uh, so thinking through that emergency plan, is is really important that goes for at home safety as well as out on the road um but having that another thing that comes to mind is um if you are in a place where you know that there's people i would yell fire a lot of people think oh yell help and there's so many reasons why somebody might be yelling help <laughs> right. that have nothing to do with what's happening. Exactly. If you yell fire 
uh, we're in the age of technology. Yeah. hundred people are going to come running with their cameras and their flip phones and, it, well, their iPhones to take pictures. and Flip phones, where are you at? <laughs> I, I know. What was I thinking? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, you know, they're going to come. They're going to take pictures. You're going to have evidence of the person who's attacking you. Um, and you'll also have people. And that's important because it, when someone's attacking you, they don't, most of, most people statistically, they do not want an audience. Right. So having that, um, another thing that I've done and I was listening to some different safety tips for runners and somebody said, you know, that they stuff a, a pen in their sports bra when they're running and it, by all means, there's that. The other thing that I've done is actually have my keys. So I interweave my keys mm -hmm. through my fingers. So if I have to, I can come up, you can jab the eyes, you can go for the throat. Um, and that hurts. <laughs> it, I'm sure it does hurt. Yeah. There's, um, there's that. There's also an alarm. If you go onto Amazon and you look up uh, runner's alarm, they'll have these little bracelets that you can actually get and you can press on it. it makes a very, very loud noise. Mm -hmm. um, so that's another route that I would recommend. There's a, there's a thing, uh, it's called Zephyr Fire oh. and it's a, it, it's for runners. You can find it on Amazon, probably some running stores too, but it fits into your hand. It's got a very powerful headlamp on it and it it has a uh, flash flashing red light in the back mm -hmm. and it it has an alarm in it too yeah so you can press the alarm but what's really cool about it is, is you put it in your hand so it's not like you're holding it you don't have to hold it it's it's strapped into your fingers and then that way you your hands are still free nice yeah i mean it's it's really good to have that there's also um different safety apps like uh, 99 Check or Mayday. There's another one called Citizen. So uh, those apps, you can actually track uh, your route. So you can share it with friends or uh, family members so that they know where you're going. Uh, that's another really important thing so that if something did happen, they would be able to track you. And there's the emergency feature on both the uh, iPhone and the yes. Galaxy, I believe. Yeah. So that's that's a whole other thing that it makes a very loud noise, uh, but it will also, you can call 911. And right. a lot of people are very hesitant to, to call 911 if they just feel like, oh, some creepy person is nearby. But I'd rather call and have the peace of mind that I'm going to be it's safe. It's better to be safe than sorry. Exactly. And if there's anything that makes you feel uncomfortable and, you know, intuition, if it just doesn't feel right. Well, it's, it's important. I mean, everyone has that intuition, that little prickly thing in the back of your neck that's telling you that this is not okay. Right. Um, that, it, you know, a situation that you're in uh, doesn't feel right. And, um, we dismiss it. We need to listen to that. When you said earlier about yelling fire, what if you're out? Uh, I'm just going to, again, give uh, Molly Tibbetts uh, as an example. She was out in a rural area, probably nobody around, you know, as far as people. Mm -hmm. um, 
what would you be, what would suggestions would you give for somebody that's running out in an area like that? So uh, a couple of things, and I would make eye contact with that person. Uh, it's something that I think that they're trying to evoke a feeling of fear. So um, making eye contact with that person and yelling no. That makes you more, gives you more empowerment in the moment. It does actually give you more empowerment in the moment. I, um, I had mentioned earlier that I had a stalker that was not the only one. I, I had uh, multiple stalkers. And my last one, um, it was actually an attempted sexual assault. Um, mm. This was not me running. This was me in my apartment. And that person pretended to be the maintenance man and came into my home. And so for me, he was asking me a lot of questions and that prickly feeling came up and I saw him walking towards me and he was asking me all these questions and I put my hand up in the air and made eye contact with him and I yelled, no, you need to go back to doing what you're doing. I have other things that I need to do. Um, and just the stunned shock in his face and this realization, I mean, he lost his nerve. He was holding a foot-long wrench and staring at me. And because I didn't show fear and I didn't back down, he turned and he went back into the uh, bathroom because he was said he was changing the pipes. So for me, um, it gave me the opportunity to run. Right. Immediately, right? Yeah. But that's another thing, too, that um, freeze, fight, flight, or freeze. A lot of us, when we get into that moment, we want to freeze. It's scary. It's terrifying. Um, but finding ways that you can actually um, talk to yourself. Uh, I was counting in my head. Um, you know, anything that you can do, remember your breath. So focus on that and really um, calm yourself so that you can think clearly because that's a whole other thing too is being able to think clearly about what's happening if you are out alone, um, far away from people, making that eye contact with them, yelling no, um, taking self-defense classes so that you you do know what to do in a situation if, if somebody comes up to you. Uh, another thing too is... Uh, Pick your battleground. And I know that's, that sounds strange, but there's so much data that suggests that if that person takes you somewhere, there's a high probability you're not going to leave. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get out of it. And so being able to pick your, your ground, wherever that may be, that if that's uh, them saying, come here and you staying there, and if that means you saying, you know, I'm really too scared to move, then they're going to come to you. And that gives you the opportunity to do a counter move. For me, I want a wall. If there's any sort of wall, if I'm out in the wilderness, obviously that's not, that might not work, but I don't want the possibility of somebody coming up and trying to attack me from behind. Right. Unexpectedly. Absolutely. Um, if I see one person right in front of me, I'm going to have, um, I'm going to try and find a wall. The other thing too, is trying to run towards a location where there are people. So again, knowing your route, if, right. 
there's, there's that thinking about when, um, uh, there are people you're, you know, walking down the street or you're, you're jogging or something like that. And you feel like somebody's behind you, um, making it appear that you're not alone. So maybe getting on the phone or pretending that you're on the phone, talking to your friend and saying, yep, I'm right here at this location and, you know, swing by then that's, that's a whole other thing to look at. So there's, there's lots of different safety tips that you can do, but one of the biggest things is just follow your gut. When you mentioned when you put your hand down and said no and had the eye contact, and then you also um, said, pick your, your ground. It sounds like what you're doing there and it may be subconsciously or whatever is you're taking power away from that person because they want to invoke fear in you and you're throwing them off. Absolutely. And you're, you're being stronger and and they don't know because they're just used to be able to do whatever they want. And now all of a sudden they have to come to your terms. And that's, it seems to me like that's very interesting and a very solid suggestion. It's, it's a huge power dynamic. I mean, that, that, quite possibly saved my life. Um, I remember, uh, that day I, you know, when I ran, I ran out and I was completely pissed off at the, uh, a property manager and I was yelling at him for who he hired. And he was like, I didn't hire anyone. Uh, And then Mm -hmm. suddenly there was that recognition that something was off and he ran up and, uh, he got knocked over. The guy ran out Um, there was this police officer and she came and it was like eight o'clock in the morning. She got on work at 6am and she looked for this guy until 7.30 PM and interrogated him till 11 o'clock at night. Found him. Found him because she looked in records and there was a previous situation that was very similar to mine. Um, and so she found him, brought him in, interrogated him. I can't imagine what that feeling is like. It's got to be just maybe in the moment uh, because you're trying to think of ways and you are skilled. So you had ways that you could deal with that. But the after effect of something like that can be very hard on someone. A lot of people think that uh, because they've had self-defense, um, training, or even, um, let's say that, you know, somebody has a boxing background or whatever. Uh, if you're attacked, uh, there's still an effect that has, uh, happens to you. Um, I definitely, I f- went out and got support. I went and saw a therapist. I ended up going through and, and doing what I needed to do, but, I think that if I didn't have the self-defense background or I hadn't gone through the training that I had, I would have been a lot worse off. I definitely uh, dealt with a lot of post-traumatic stress from that experience. And it was a long road to get past that. Yes. But it's possible. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that um, for... Even for for me with that situation, I was scared to go out of my house, Mm -hmm. you know, and there was the knowledge that I could get, you know, like I I do have the background, uh, but that was that initial fear. 
Um, and so really for anybody who has been through that kind of experience, you know, like a runner, if somebody is running and they get attacked, do they want to go out running again? Um, there's different ways to, you know, get back into it, whether it's having a buddy with you or, or going along, but it's important to keep on moving forward and just honor yourself. Be proud of the fact that you survived. Right. I am such a proponent of running groups. They're the most wonderful things out there for runners to get involved with, not only because it's safe or mm -hmm. yeah, but it's also a way for them to meet friends. Yeah. Here on Maui with our Wednesday night running group, I can you know, tell you eight stories right now of people that became super good friends through the, through running and they run together and they do a lot of out, outside activities too, outside of the running group. Yeah. Which is not to say that, um, you shouldn't go off and run on your own if you have a routine or something like that, but taking precautions. Another thing that we didn't talk about was earbuds. Yes. Earbuds. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I, don't do as much running as I used to. Um, but I do a lot of bicycling on the Island. And, um, for me, I like listening to music sometimes, or I like listening to an audible book. So I'll have one earbud in, but the thing is, is you're still somewhat distracted. And especially if you are unfamiliar with the location that you're at and the environment, it's really important to be aware. Right. It is very important to be aware. And I haven't touched on headphones in my podcast yet. I've kind of mentioned that I'm going to touch upon them. I'm an RRCA running coach and I went through training in San Diego for it. And one of the things that RRCA really stresses their coach is no headphones. Mm -hmm. And I get it. But the problem is, is that they're they're so popular now, even in running magazines, any type of magazines, there's ads for headphones and they have running playlists and this and that. And that's all cool. But the problem is, is that it distracts you out there. I don't, I personally don't run with headphones. I, yeah. I like the outdoor aspect and just to listen and Absolutely. I like to be aware. But, you know, there are some people and they're in our running group and they probably will wonder if I'm talking about them. I, and, and if you're wondering that, then I'm probably talking about you, <laughs> but they have their headphones in and I'll be running with them or I'll catch up and I'll start wanting to say something. And I say it and they don't hear a word I'm saying mm, because yeah. their headphones, they're both in their earbuds or whatever they're wearing and they're completely zoned out. And it's dangerous in a couple of ways. One, because you need to be aware of Everything. Bad, bad things yes. that are around you and you need to be aware of cars and, and tripping, tripping <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. and Running into people. <laughs> and out here, you know how it is out here. We're, oh man, we're whale, watching, whale watching season yeah. is horrible. Right. It's a horrible time. It's terrifying to be a runner. <laughs> but I guarantee you that, that, you know, people will, will come back and say, well, I got to wear headphones because running's boring and, and this helps me to keep my rhythm and keep excited about running. Well, you can, but what can you do? 
take, yeah. take, take one out. Take one out. Yeah, you don't yeah. have stereo, but so what? You still have something in your ear. So if you're running and listening to my podcast, take one <laughs> earbud out right now <laughs> and be aware of what's going on around you. <laughs> Very important. Very important. <laughs> so um, tell me if I'm running out there or if somebody's running out there, what are some suggestions on how to engage and be aware of what's around you? Well, um, a couple of different things, as we said, with the um, earbuds, but then also just kind of um, looking at your route. So if I'm going on a run and I know the route, maybe this is something where I've driven through there first, um, I can actually look at all of the different areas um, and see if I need to have an exit plan or something along those lines. Um, another thing too is, is just making sure that you know of not only your surroundings, but I mean the, the buildings that you're passing by for, or, or the people too. Uh, for me, it's been an interesting road, especially in Maui with how transient a lot of people will come onto the island and then go. But um, I've made it a point to learn about my neighbors, mm-hmm. learn about uh, the people on the road. Every single day I see <laughs> I see the same group of people sitting and uh, doing their their barbecue and um, and, you know, I'll wave just because I I want them to know who I am and they do. They're like, Hey, yeah, keep yeah. on wanting me to stop. I'm like, right. no, it's not going to happen. Um, you know, and so there's that it, with police officers, I wave at them. I, you know, if I have an opportunity to say who I am or introduce myself, I do shop owners, same thing. The more people that know who you are, there's, there's sort of a safety net when it comes to that. Right. Um, so that's really important. Just having the right gear too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just when it comes to safety and your environment and understanding that, uh, having the right equipment when it comes to running, um, shoes, if you need to, all, all of the different stuff that you would probably need, all of that adds in. So, right. You know, on the East coast, well, actually a lot on the mainland, there's a lot of trails. Mm-hmm. Um, there's bike trails that go all over the place. Oh and, yeah. And I'm from are, Washington. So yeah. 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 You know that. And I moved here from Denver, mm-hmm. so they have trails out there, but uh, it's another area to be aware because there's a lot of foliage and stuff like that out there that uh, runners have to be aware when they're out running by themselves on one of these trails. Yeah. I mean, if you have a dog, I'd say take the dog with you. <laughs> right, exactly. But um, yeah, one, uh, one good thing is, uh, or one other thing too, is to not actually um, run a route near high hedges. So um, that's something to actually think about because somebody could be hiding behind them. Right. Actually having that like i said if you have the opportunity to run in a in a location um it's better if you know the route or if you have seen it before or had recommendations from other people that's also very important who know the location so where are some of the 
areas and you'll you'll tell me these um, that I can put a link up in our show notes where people out there, female runners can find more information about running safety. I know I can find some stuff for running safety, but in general, I know what you sent me some info was on rain. Yes. So that actually um, that has more to do with sexual assault victims and and statistical data. Um, so there's that. On YouTube, there's actually um, runner safety tips for women. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of really great videos that I found that were on there. And then you can also look up jogging safety is another great one. Um, six runner uh, running safety tips. There's um, a link which I can send to you that okay. it talks about the um, six tips and a lot of it we've already gone over, but right. some of it um, we have not. So um, so that's really good there. And then I'm also putting together um, my own page for runners safety. Nice. So good. that's supposed to be coming out within the next couple of weeks. Actually, that'll be out before you post. Great. Yes. Good. Well, we'll have that on there. Okay. Um, one thing that I have challenged uh, people that are listening is to try to find somebody like you or a class that they may have in their local areas. I, I don't know. I know that I shared one with you in Colorado from Runner's Roost where they do a quarterly women's running safety class um, at one of their running stores, local running stores. But I, I want to encourage women out there to get something started in their area. Yes. I, I mean, I highly recommend it. I think that it's really important for uh, women to support other women, um, <clears throat> especially when it comes to self-defense. There's so many different things that I think having a woman instructor is is so helpful because there's different perspectives and different things that um, only women know. But I mean, having any form of self-defense training, I think is highly important. So looking into maybe it's a dojo that you want to go to, maybe you want to just sign up for some of the trainings or programs that are out there in your city. But finding that group of people who um, are able to give you some tools for safety, I think that every woman everywhere should have some form of self-defense background. I agree. And tell me about Warrior Women. Ah, yes. So we have the Warrior Women um, self-defense training online. That actually, it's eight classes and there's a different type of attack per class. We already talked we about it. We did talk early. about it, but I, I know that it's more of an extensive website too. I think you have a link to your real estate uh, yes, yes. video, which is, I, I thought that that was good and very well produced by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It was by Media Flow Productions. Awesome. Awesome person. But yeah, I, I ended up, um, if you go to my website, it's www.international. So again, that's www.international. You can just put that in there and, and it'll we'll have come a link. Up and it'll have a link for me. Um, and that will have safety tips. It'll have my workshops that are coming up. It has prices for personal training. If that's something that you're interested in, there's, um, there's going to be a workshop coming up for runners at the end of the month. So I hope that you join me. If you live on Maui on uh, the 30th of March, 
mm-hmm. at Powerhouse Gym. There'll be a class sponsored by Valley Isle Roadrunners. It's uh, free to Valley Isle Roadrunner members and a very small fee for non-members, which is probably going to be around $10 or something like that. Um, we are going to have to cap it because I think the response is going to be really good out here. So it's, I think we talked about around 30 people max for this class. You'll be teaching that class. I will. And you'll get to meet, I'm sure, a lot of our key runners here on the island. That That's are, awesome. They're awesome people. You'll love meeting all of them. And if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, you have a email or a contact. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, one thing that I was also going to mention is sure. my social media pages. So I am working on it more and more as my confidence builds to go live on uh, social media. And if you go to Ellie, E-L-L-E, live, L-I-V-E, action, A-C-T-I-O-N, that's pretty much every social media platform uh, you can look me up. But Instagram is my uh, my main jam for going live and having safety tips um, every single week. Uh, and that also shares when my workshops are happening or any of that sort of stuff. But you can email me at Ellie Live Action um, at gmail.com. I'll have all those links in the show notes. I think that's awesome. I will tell you that when I started looking in just recently into social media, I had a full head of hair. I pulled it all out of my head. <laughs> I am having such an issue with the social media stuff. Uh, I know that Instagram is what I should be on and I started doing it and I started post. I even went out and bought the, uh, I got upgraded my phone from an iPhone six to a iPhone XR Ooh, fancy. only because Somebody said that I need to get with the times and get a camera that that does more stuff than the iPhone Mm -hmm. 6 does. So I am absolutely, completely an imbecile when it comes to social media and especially Instagram. And I have to learn it. It's taken me a long time to learn how to do all this stuff. Oh, but you do such a great job. Yeah. If I push the record button. (laughs) So anyways, um, I really enjoyed having you on the podcast. You have given so much information to our listeners. It's a super important topic, and I hope people will reach out to you. And if they don't reach out to you, I hope they reach out to somebody in their local area. And, and, and you know, one, one success story, one person that avoids the attack because of this podcast or harm in any way is so worth it. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. I so appreciate being on and I hope that I've helped some of the viewers. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. Well, that was a wonderful conversation and I very much appreciate the self-defense for our female runners that Tasha shared. As you could tell, Tasha is very knowledgeable and certainly a skilled self-defense instructor with her 17 years of experience. Ladies, please share this episode with all of your friends. Same with you guys. This information is so valuable to running safety and should be shared with all female runners. If this episode saves one of our female listeners from being harmed, 
harmed or injured, well, it's all worth it. All the links Tasha mentioned are available in the show notes at feelgoodrunning.com. And Tasha has provided a wonderful offer for our listeners. For a limited time and just for the listeners of Feel Good Running Podcast, you can receive a $20 discount off the Warrior Women Online Self-Defense Training Course. The link for this is available in the show notes at feelgoodrunning.com. So get your $20 discount now. How very generous of Tasha. And just so you know, I do not benefit financially from this course. Also in the show notes at feelgoodrunning.com is a link to a list of running safety tips that Tasha put together. So listeners, there is just a plethora of information to help give you the best odds of being safe out there in the running world. And that's what we all want. So thanks again, Tasha. Your expertise is appreciated by all. Here is a running quote to keep you inspired and feeling good. Well, runners, as you know, this is a favorite part of my show, our inspirational quote of the episode. So when I was looking at this quote, I thought about Melissa Osana from the news segment who fought MS and its effects to running marathons and now the four 100-mile trail race challenge. And the quote goes like this, and it's from a very famous former NFL Hall of Fame athlete, Jerry Rice. Today, I will do what others won't. So tomorrow, I can accomplish what others can't. Let me repeat that. Today, I will do what others won't. So tomorrow, I can accomplish what others can't. Each of you runners out there are very special and hold that hidden drive that will always take you to the next level. Always believe that and always go for it. Well, that's it for this episode. Please be sure to check out the show notes at feelgoodrunning.com for information and links to this episode. And be sure to share this episode with your running friends and on all your social media platforms. And of course, if you or someone you know has a story that may inspire or motivate other runners, please drop us a note at the area provided at feelgoodrunning.com. We are always looking for very motivational stories that our runners would really get a lot out of. So until next episode, remember, just show up and always, always feel good about your running. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Please consider sharing this podcast with your running friends and spread the feel good running vibe around you. Head over to feelgoodrunning.com to access all the links and resources mentioned on the show. Until next time, keep motivated, keep focused, and keep on running. It is sure to make you, well, feel good.